Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is Sports Center at 6. We're all access with the Sixers as they host OKC tonight. A live courtside update on Joel Embiid's back issue. And Jeff Van Gundy behind the scenes with the man in charge of making the process work. What LeBron really said to Lonzo after the game last night. And Rodgers is back. Brady versus Big Ben. How this critical playoff determining weekend will play out. We're giving him any advice. I'm on business. I'm out. And now. Here is Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. <laughs> well, it's officially ugly Christmas sweater season. And, Mike, I declare you the winner because, let's be honest, me and ugly, they don't really go together. Well played. All right. Uh, now, Mike, <laughs> though, you won in another big way, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but coming up, we'll give you the latest on the Manny Machado trade talks. But first, my co-host has often said that the NFL draft is his favorite sporting event of the year. But I think today is going to seriously compete with your affection for the draft. You know what? You are absolutely right. Christmas isn't for another 10 days. My birthday isn't until August 1st. What did I do to deserve a day devoted to my Sixers? Shout out to the Sixers for granting ESPN All Access, a fitting inside look at the day-to-day process behind the process ahead of tonight's game against the Thunder. But shame on whoever forgot to invite me. But it's cool. I live vicariously through Ramona and Doris and Jeff Van Gundy and Stephen A. Somebody asked me earlier why we were hyping up a 14 and 13 ninth place team. Because with all this potential plus all this personality, how can you not want to be around these guys? Doris Burke knows what I'm talking about. Now, first things first, DB. And every show is better when Doris Burke leads off. But first things first, we just got word within the last 20 minutes that Joel Embiid will, in fact, play tonight. Last time Embiid was a game-time decision with back discomfort. He played 39 minutes and almost had a triple-double. What kind of load do you expect the process to carry tonight? Well, Michael, you'll be happy to hear. We just left the office of uh, Brett Brown, and he did not give us anything other, uh, any other indication than that Joel Embiid is full go and ready to play. So we're anticipating that Troel Embiid is ready to roll here. <laughs> well, of course, uh, considering there's a day dedicated to the Sixers, I would have had a hard time believing that he wouldn't have played tonight. Um, but nevertheless, Doris, you've been around the facility all day. You spent time today with Brian Colangelo, Brent Brown, Ben Simmons. What did you learn about the inner workings of this team? You know what, Jamel, and I think Michael would probably agree with this wholeheartedly. I don't know how many coaches in the city of Philadelphia could have endured what Brett Brown had endured during the quote process and still be as popular in this city as he is. This man is a terrific basketball coach. He's a terrific human being. And it is so nice to see a man be able to field a team with legitimate NBA talent, arguably one of the youngest and most uh, highest ceiling teams in the NBA to hear him talk about Ben Simmons' ability without a jump shot, Joel Embiid becoming a better passer out of double teams and occupying that low post. I'm just happy for Brett Brown because this man is highly respected and he's earned the right to finally play through the process and the best part of the process. And he's got these young guys playing well together. They average the most passes per game in the NBA. That's saying something about his coaching ability. All right, thank you, Doris. We appreciate you joining us. Now, as much as we're hyping Steelers-Patriots, the series has been as lopsided as Globetrotters generals, at least with Tom Brady there, who's owned the Steelers, including the playoffs Brady is 10-2 and against them. Now, the Steelers catch a feisty Patriots team coming off a whack loss to Miami, in which they were without Gronk. 
who was a little moody coming off his suspension. Well, how did you spend the week away when you were working out in a separate facility? Or... I, was, I was just chilling. Did you watch the game on Monday? Of course. Was it hard to watch my game there? Big game this Sunday. Thank you, guys. I'm out. Hey, breaking news in the Sports Center: The Patriots are better when Gronk is in and not out of uniform. When he's played this year, they're scoring 30 points a game. When he's been out, scoring under 20 a contest with Brady's QBR over 40 points worse. Mike Reese, what more can you tell us? Michael Jamel, to give you a feel for how uncharacteristic that was, the last time Gronkowski held a news conference at that podium, it was the week leading into the Bills game, and he was joking about jumping through tables growing up in western New York. Gronkowski has held those news conferences every week as a team captain. He's often embraced them and had fun with them, but this one was obviously different. He wanted to get through it and get through it fast. But it wasn't a complete escape when reporters were in the locker room afterwards. Gronkowski hung around and he said a cordial goodbye to the reporters in the middle of the room. Now as for how the team has received Gronkowski's return, perhaps the reaction of receiver Danny Amendola summed it up best when I asked him what it was like to have Gronkowski back. He just smiled wide before saying it's a lot of fun having Gronkowski back in the huddle. Meanwhile, Antonio Brown closing in on a league record third season with at least 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like I said yesterday, though, if all the great receivers that have come and gone in the NFL have for the most part struggled to get MVP votes, it's hard to see Brown taking it over Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or maybe Phillip Rivers for that matter. But what if he touches 2,000? Thinking emoji. Brown only thinking about a win. Well, our goal is to win the Super Bowl. You know, I still haven't done that yet. You know, uh, we're sitting here with a lot of opportunity in front of us. One of the biggest game of the year in front of us. Uh, a game that could possibly make the Super Bowl come through Hans Field and uh, give us the opportunity to contend for one. So I'm just extremely uh, focused in the moment, uh, not buying into all the things going on around me. I'm just singly focused here on the New England Patriots and uh, trying to do what it's still a desire to do, and that's win football games and uh, get one for Mr. Dan. All right, Jay, who you got and why? I got the Patriots, and despite how a lot of people have tried to characterize this matchup as if the, uh, the Steelers needing to come up to the Patriots level, and they do, given what the recent history, especially with the way Tom Brady has played against them, this is a bigger game for the Patriots. And, and I know that no, seems – it is a bigger game for them, and I know that seems like sacrilege to say because whenever you talk about the Patriots, you're constantly talking about them and their resume. They got nothing but I'm, to prove. It's not about anything to prove. See, I'm keeping it micro. I'm keeping it to this season. And as uh, Antonio Brown just stated, this is about the Super Bowl coming through Heinz Field. Can the Patriots win on the road? Yes, they can. All right. But at the same time, you make it that much more difficult, especially with this type of team. This offense, as has been noted, you know, talk about breaking news. They're pretty good. All right. And them being this good on their home field in that situation, I think, that's a, that, that is a scenario where it feels like a stacked deck against New England, even though, yes, I get it. They're capable of going in. It's not a bigger game for the Patriots. You already said that Brady co-owns the Steelers along with the Rooney family. He's 10-2 and two against the Steelers. He hasn't thrown an interception against the Steelers since 2005. 
He's had seven straight games of multiple touchdowns and no interceptions against him. 29 touchdowns and three interceptions against him. You know what young people don't understand these days? Let me tell you what young people don't understand. Young people don't understand unpredictability. No, you'll you'll, you'll relate to this. They don't understand what life was like without caller ID. They don't understand what life was like without a guide or when all TV wasn't on demand. You remember back in the day when you would check for a show at a certain time and you sit back and be like, can't wait for my show. Oh, man, it's a rerun. That's what this game is. This is a rerun. I've seen, I've seen this episode before. This big <laughs> like the Saw movies, they just as go on and on. As big as deal as it is for the Berg, and as much as they built it up and in the kitchen, and this with all due respect to Mike Tomlin, the Killer Bees, really good team. Brady going for 404 touchdowns. <laughs> you just call I, it. I, I, I've just seen it too many times. They, 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 I've seen it happen too many times where he spreads them out and lights them up and has his way with a secondary with Joe Hayden. A game-time decision. Right, Juju Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side on offense is, is, is questionable with hamstring. Mm-hmm. They just they don't, have, they don't have anything for Tom Brady. I may eat these words, but I'm taking chances with history on my side that they go into Pittsburgh and handle their business. And even if they don't win, to your point, they can go into the playoffs and do it. Well, look, I, I, as I said, I would, I would still pick in the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But I think in, yeah, terms, I got the Patriots in, in terms of this being a big game, I mean, this is a really big game for New England, strictly putting it to this season. Okay, uh, but for now, the 6 at 6 rolls on. We'll have more from tonight's Thunder Sixers game, this time from the Thunder perspective. But first, let's check in on hot stove season. Now, the, today. <laughs> now the Orioles, not yet. Executive VP Dan Duquette admitted at winter meetings that the Orioles are fielding offers for all-star third baseman Manny Machado, which they will review back in Baltimore. Now, there's reportedly debate within the organization about what to do with Machado, who is a free agent next year. The fear is that somehow, some way. Machado will end up with the Yankees. And with that, we'll dive into it with Buster Olney. Buster, uh, considering, as I mentioned, there's reportedly debate about the best course of action with Machado, how realistic is it that Machado actually will be moved? Jamel, the expectation within the organization is is that Machado will be traded and sometime perhaps in the next week or so for two reasons. One, this is an organization in desperate need of young pitching uh, and they realize that probably the easiest way for them to get it is to trade Machado and get some in return. And the other thing, too, is Manny's a free agent after 2018, and they know that he's not going to re-sign. He's going to go into free agency, and he'll be with another team in 2019, so why not take advantage of his value? The last roadblock will be owner Peter Angelos, who hates bad publicity. He would have to be the one to sign off on it, but the expectation is he will. Now, how much is the concern that the Yankees will somehow wind up with Machado? How much is that driving the Orioles' trade approach right now? Well, it's shaping it for sure. Uh, The Yankees are working under the impression that they can't make a deal. They essentially were told that Peter Angelos won't approve a trade to the Yankees, which, you know, that might be old school. But new school thought is, you know what, just if you need to get better, make the best trade you can. And the Yankees have this uh, absolutely stacked farm system, but the Orioles will not deal with them directly. All right, Buster, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, man. All right, Manny Machado didn't have his best season last year, relatively speaking. But over the last three seasons, he's in the top ten in the league when it comes to homers and defensive runs saved. Only other Major League Baseball player that can make that claim, Nolan Arenado. Meanwhile, uh, there is a chance Carmelo Anthony's return to the Garden may not be a full-fledged reunion as Kristaps Porzingis classified as questionable for tomorrow night. Twisted his knee Thursday night, but continued to play before asking to come out in the third quarter. Uh, Wojani and Begley say the discomfort has decreased after KP worked out today, listed as day-to-day. As for Melo, Porzingis says he doesn't see why Knicks fans 
would show Anthony anything but love. I don't see why it's even a question as to whether Knicks fans should cheer or boo Melo. Knowing how sophisticated these fans are, no question in my mind that they will. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited to go back, you know, and, and play, in, play in the garden, uh, play in front of those fans, play in front of my family, my friends. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's business for me. Uh, but I'll, I'll be lying if I say I'm not, you know, I'm not ecstatic uh, to go back to be playing there. I mean, it's a, I got a different feeling, you know, with, with, with New York, different relationship, uh, different bond with the city, with the fans, with the people. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a little bit special for me. All right, of course, that's tomorrow night. More pressing business for the for for the Thunder, excuse me, is the Sixers tonight on ESPN. That's where Royce Young is, of course. Uh, I expect the Knicks to do nothing but show their respect and appreciation for this for the six plus years that Carmelo Anthony gave them. Had his flaws, but certainly entertained them and did his best to get them uh, back to prominence. So, Royce, what is Melo saying about how he feels about returning to New York under these circumstances, given the way he's playing and the Thunder are struggling with him? There's no question, Michael, that when Melo walks into Madison Square Garden, like you said, he's excited about it, excited to play in front of his family, in front of his friends. But he's walking in with a team that if they win tonight, they'll be 500. They're they're officially guaranteed to have a worse record than the Knicks, the team that he left. And that is not exactly what Carmelo Anthony had in mind uh, when he did depart from the Knicks uh, in the trade that sent him to Oklahoma City. But, you know, and, and the other factor of it is, too, is he has not played that well. He's clearly looked uncomfortable at times in his role in Oklahoma City. You know, a lot of people felt like that we were going to see the best version of Olympic Mello in Oklahoma City where he played with some of the best players that he's ever had around him in his career with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. At times, Carmelo Anthony, he's been the guy that's been asked to change his role the most in Oklahoma City, and there's been signs of discomfort. He's tried to make extra passes. He's tried to be to do different things. But right now, Michael, there's even talk about maybe he should come off the bench in Oklahoma City, which, again, is not what he had in mind when he walked back into Madison Square Garden. He was supposed to be on a team that was contending for a championship, that was at the top of the conference, not one that was scraping for 500. While the Knicks, of course, have shown promise this year, Forget Olympic Mellow. Haven't even seen Hoodie Mellow this year. So, Royce Young, good to see you, man. Enjoy the game. We'll talk more with you later on. All right, and to elaborate on what uh, you and Royce were talking about, one of Mellow's struggles has been with his shots, primarily when Paul George and Russell Westbrook are on the court. When both are on, Mellow's making 38% of his shots. When only one of them is there, Mellow's field goal percentage goes up 42%. And when both are off, he's making 47% of his shots. Hmm. All right, so last night, LeBron tied Larry Bird for sixth all-time in triple doubles after dropping 25, 12, and 12. Unfortunately, that didn't create nearly as much buzz as a visual of LeBron whispering to Lonzo as as if LeBron was giving Lonzo the answer to the riddle of the Sphinx. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it wasn't that deep. That was whack. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Could you hear me? <laughs> Come on, man. Everybody heard like, you, Mike. Really? really? Like, if you're going to do all of this, say something that's worth hiding. Say something that, that's not benign. Like, you could have just said that in the opening and it would have been fine. That's why I told y'all. I told y'all. Stop trying to mind read LeBron and read his little tea leaves because this is what he does. He exploits our obsession with his every move. Yeah. He's toying Pretty with us. He's good at it, too. I mean, this might be true. Thanks this, for the content, Brian. This might be, like, just a habit at this point because they all do that. Correct. But it's like, if you, you know, like, say, I wish you'd have been like, say, bro, 
You ever disrespect Nas again? You can forget me ever coming. Something. Say something. Don't just be like, hey, lock in. It's white noise. He spent half of his speech to Lonzo saying don't tell the media anything. So you know what? Back at you, LeBron. Next time I got something to say, I ain't telling you either. Because I'm sure he's waiting I'm around. I'm sure he's waiting with bated breath, right? It, that just bothered me. You know what bothers me? Leave you? it to my imagination because I wanted to kind of just say, well, maybe they were talking it about, just, yo, man, hey, you see where Bitcoin's at $17,000? Something. Right. Anything of significance other than lock in, be the aggressive. The reason it bothers you is because it just proves how nosy people are. You just wanted it to be something. You wanted it to be a story. When I, I did like how you said it's an ABC conversation. They should see your way out, out. right? Like that, like, yeah. yeah, so everybody just wanted it to be something to mean more. And I have a. And I, no, knew, I didn't want to mean anything. I just wanted to say something significant. Okay, but hey man, why would that have been significant? Ramona told us yesterday that the two had never even met. So whatever deep conversation or deep thoughts that he had for Lonzo, he was gonna wait to the no, court no, no. and say, "Hey, not, hey, guess what, Lonzo? Let me tell you this. I'm not even saying I don't like your hey, daddy. Like, what was I'm he not even saying say? he was gonna say I'm coming or just hey, hold it down until I get there or hey, just so you know, I'm gonna get you up out. Nothing like no. he could have been saying, hey, on that jab step or here's here's a key to, or anything, something That's that it. he could have taken with him other than a cliche lock in focus is all white noise because here's one thing Lonzo does have going for him besides his unselfishness, he's already pretty good at least on the surface, when it comes to being able to live in the spotlight and handle the hoopla. That doesn't seem to, for the most part, bother him to begin with. So LeBron basically told him, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. Right. And that, that's, that's fine. He don't, the reason, only reason why he said don't tell the media is because he knew this conversation would eventually take place. He knew it would bother us. No. He knew after no, the no, game. No, it doesn't bother me not to know. No, it, it bothers me that that's all it was. No, it bo- well, yes, because we know what it is now. You just wish it were, it were bigger. It were somehow juicier and sexier. Yes. And sorry, it wasn't. Oh, substantive is the word. I'm being nosy, y'all. A lot of people say, Michael, how come you sweat the Sixers so much? Like, you're from New Orleans, and you live in Connecticut. Why do you keep calling the Sixers your team? Because after Sam Hinkie, it was me <laughs> who got vilified for trusting the process and believing that someday that man would manifest himself into the type of guy who would play 39 minutes the last time he had back tightness and go for 28, 12, and 8. Joel and B playing today. Jeff Van Gundy spent time with Brett Brown as part of our Sixers All Access with ESPN. How did you sustain yourself when in previous years before you had uh, true NBA winning talent like you do now? It's the 26th straight loss for the Sixers. It's been not pretty. How did you keep yourself sane through all of it? I I wouldn't have been a good coach if they had hired me when I was 36 here. That's the first thing. And because I, you know, you're older and you've had a chance to see success as a head coach and with my years with Pop. Try not to like feel like you got to do everything. Just be a good point guard. Why did I accept the challenge? It was about trying to like build something. You felt where in life can you have a chance to put your own thumbprint on a culture? And I felt like we could actually do it here in an amazing city. And we knew we were going to be getting high draft picks. And so the plan wasn't a mystery. We knew what we were getting into. It went a little bit longer than we all thought. You just went overboard trying to be a good leader with relationships and development. Held us, uh, I think, in good stead. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Hey, B, with a big slam. Out the baby, JoJo. Good job, good job, good job. Here's Simmons out of the day. Bam, look out below. Simmons plays a selfless game. Embiid is this incredible talent. Uh, Fultz, you know, we don't really know yet what he's going to be. But how do you keep them all willing to share and sacrifice 
for the common good. The notion that people can do it all by themselves nowadays is so false. You get you need talent and you've got to have allies. Leadership is is organic. There's no like book to tell you what it looks like. All you guys are going to find your own way, shape and form to lead. And it's derived by and large through people's personalities. And so Ben isn't, you know, very vocal. Neither was Duncan. Joel's out there. Like Joel's got this boisterous spirit. Markel sort of like this is new and you know alive, and he really hasn't been that much a part of us recently. But I can see how the three can coexist. So you're done here, seven hours till game time. Now what? Figure out what I'm gonna wear in the evening. You know, you go and you do that yourself. You pick out your own stuff. A lot of times, my wife chooses my tie, uh, or or one of my daughters. You know, back when they were in the house, yep, it, it helps me. My taste is average, but they steer me straight. I run before every game except one. I like to cleanse my mind. Sometimes it's really cold. And as I said to many, like when we're losing, I run faster in the city of Philadelphia. But I run. I like to How just... How long? How far? Uh, about four or five miles. I don't go fast, but I don't stop. Snow. What's snow? You come back and, you know, you're just good to go. You feel a little bit sharper. All right, Jeff Gundy, as you know, coaches, notorious creatures of habit. So what else stood out to you about Brett Brown's game day routine? Well, you know, it's not just his game day routine. It's how he's come through all of this losing to still be beloved in Philly and with his own team. You know, you don't lose at at the records they do and survive unless you're a superior person and a superior coach. And Mm -hmm. I just think his humility, his work habits, his communication skills, it screams to me an elite coach. And I'm just so happy for him and his team that they now have enough talent where they're going to definitely be a playoff team and have a chance at success. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, got a group of young players, a lot of talent, sharing the ball, lead the league in passes per game, rarely in ISO. So that's something to be said about the culture that he's instilled. Yeah, it says a lot, too, because you know this, Coach. Uh, guys in the NBA will check out on you if you're in a losing culture. Now let's look at the Thunder for a moment, not necessarily about tonight's game, but about tomorrow when Carmelo returns to New York. Um, how do you think the Thunder can get a little bit more out of him because he's been really, really struggling uh, with this new team, or his new team, rather? Well, I, I just think all three of their best players have been inefficient this year for whatever reasons. All of them are shooting at career lows. They're all much better offensive players than they've shown. The Thunder play excellent defense. They're a good rebounding team. I think they move the ball fine. I know a lot has been said about they isolate too much, but to me, it's more about the missed shots. They have to shoot the ball better, and to me, Russell Westbrook should not be thinking about involving George and Anthony. He should be thinking about playing in the same uh, manner as he did last year, attacking and let them play off of him. Carmelo Anthony is a four-man. He's getting older, but he can still be an effective offensive player, particularly if he shoots the ball from the three-point range a little bit better. All right, Jeff Van Gundy, we appreciate it. I like ball access with you one of these days. See what your routine is like. (laughs) Hey, listen, all I know is Doris Burke is quaking in her shoes over my interviewing skills. I think she sees that she may be on her way out. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right.
More Six and Thunder coverage coming up, but we need to uh, revisit this developing story as the Carolina Panthers are investigating allegations of workplace misconduct against 81-year-old owner and founder Jerry Richardson, one of the most revered, respected owners in the NFL, also a former player who went on to found the Panthers. A team said in a statement obtained by ESPN that it takes these allegations seriously. Uh, they did not give any specifics of the allegations, uh, however. So now we turn to our NFL insider, Dan Graziano, for more. So, Dan, I, I can imagine the shockwaves this development is sending throughout the league, given the standing of Jerry Richardson among his peers. Uh, this is a team-conducted investigation, initiated investigation. How does the league plan to handle these allegations? I would, I would imagine, based on the way these things have happened in the past, the league will allow the Carolina Panthers to go through their investigation. And then at the end of it, based on what the team concludes, based on whatever the league knows about these allegations, which, again, we don't know the specifics of them, the league could decide uh, to impose some degree of discipline through the personal conduct policy if it's unsatisfied with the decision the team made uh, or if it feels that some extra action needs to be taken. We have seen a team owner suspended and fined under the personal conduct policy. In 2014, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay was suspended six games and fined $500,000 after he pleaded guilty to driving under the influence. So uh, it is a policy that can apply to team owners and team officials. You have heard rumblings from players and their union in the past about, hey, why are they so quick to suspend players? And they go easier on owners. So obviously the players in the union will be watching what happens here. Obviously, as more details come out, we'll get some sense of what's likely to happen. But in terms of the NFL, I think they're very, very happy when teams take discipline matters into their own hands and keep it off of their desk. And, but they will monitor it and step in if they decide they have to at the end of the process. Certainly will be interesting to see how the team he owns investigates their boss when it comes to this situation and how the league responds accordingly. Dan Graziano with the latest. Thank you. All right, Damian Woody joining us now for a little football talk. Let's start with that game right there. Got Packers, Panthers. Aaron Rodgers is back. But it, the, the way that people are characterizing this game, or at least his return, is, is as if insert Aaron Rodgers, watch wins appear, right? So is he enough? Is he enough for the, uh, for the Packers to beat the Panthers and to save the season kind of simultaneously in terms of getting to the playoffs. Well, he's kind of earned that status. Like last year, I mean, they, the, the Packers went on like a little mini streak at the end of the season, and they almost rode it to the Super Bowl last year. So I think a lot of that is what that is based mm-hmm. off of. But I don't know if, he, you know, you bring Aaron Rodgers in right now against Carolina, a Carolina team that's playing some really good football, especially – Cam Newton right now. Yeah, how are we People about? keep sleeping on Cam. Cam is playing really good ball right now. I don't know if Aaron, just bringing Aaron Rodgers back is enough to yeah. overcome with all of what the Carolina Panthers bring to the table. You took the words right out of my mouth, Big Wood. I was going to say, as much as I'm excited to see that number 12 back, we focus on the wrong quarterback in this matchup. Right, yeah. right. Because Cam right now... It went, remember the offseason, it feels like forever ago. Maybe you got to change the way he plays. Maybe you got to stop running as much. He averaged 45 rushing yards a game and 209 passing. He is pounding that thing. In the last six games, they're running for 180 as a team. They're at home. Now, obviously, this Jerry Richardson story, this is, you know, it's connected but separate. It's not between the lines. We'll see if that has any effect. But on the field right now, as physical as they're playing, with that pass rush, the Packers give up too many sacks as it is, not just to Brent Huntley, but when Rodgers was playing, I don't know that they could protect him well enough to compensate 
for what, what Cam Newton's going to do to that Packer defense. Yeah, and look, the Packers, they made the right move by deciding. Uh, I know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was lobbying to come in and play, and even though supposedly his, his collarbone isn't fully healed, as it wouldn't be after two months of surgery, and given the low percentage, not just with the Panthers, but looking at the re- rest of their schedule that they have of making the playoffs, they kind of had to do this because even, even with the shape their overall team is in, you have to give yourself an opportunity, and it starts – with that dude so we right all there. got the Panthers. I do have the Packers winning. Appreciate <laughs> it, man. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> Doing too much is brought to you by Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. So uh, Will Smith was on Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, and he out here snitching on Michael Jordan. We're friendly. We, we've hung out a few times. What uh, is it like to hang out socially with Michael Jordan? It's like just a, a competition. Like, <laughs> it is. Now, let me tell you, Mike, Mike and, and Tiger are uh-huh. the two most competitive people I've ever met. Like, Michael compete with anything, though. Like, you know, if we're drinking water, you know, Mike, I'll race you. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, we, we could just drink our water, Mike. And know? then when you go to dinner with Michael Jordan... Is he is he like is he racing you to pick up the check or is he because nah, yeah, he he's not good at that he's not no <laughs> story time right. MJ taught me a game called Buffalo it's a drinking game so if awesome not so humble brag if continue. you drink with the wrong hand and your friend catches you you gotta you gotta take a hit if your glass is farther than a finger's length away from the table the edge of the table. And you come over and you tap the glass, got to take it to the head. Did you lose? Did, you, did I lose? <laughs> I lost track. Great game to play if you got nothing to do the next day. Right. This is no way to treat your coworkers at the office, except it is. No, but I think that was so a coworker's mama. Harmony. But I think that was a coworker's mama. Even better. You can't mama, do somebody's mama like that. Like, what, right, was he playing for her heart? Like, what? I will cross up Miss Denise and yam on her in a second. <laughs> you will not? Yes, I will. I'm going to stand over her. I'm going to hard you. I'm sure your mama would hack me. She's probably been waiting to hack me for a long time. <laughs> um, that was, so many more workplace oh, basketball games should break out. Let's do one at ESPN. We can use it. I don't want to see you get dunked on. Uh, the Cavs <laughs> trolled Lonzo Ball Y'all the way like Brooke Lopez. <laughs> last night <laughs> by playing Nas's New York State of Mind when the Lakers took the floor. Well done. Well done. So I, I, I finessed this into the show, which okay. you probably didn't even realize it was Nas knowing him. Um, I finessed this into the show because after Black Thought dropped what some say is the greatest freestyle in rap Your history, fame would never. did you change? Did you change? Your, your, you got he Nas number one. He moved up. To number one? No. Thought is the GOAT, man. Number Except two? This. Can I give him a number two? All right, I'll take it. All right. Um, Michael I'm going to see him Tuesday in Boston, by the way. Another name drop. <laughs> you just full of it, all right? I texted him earlier. I was like, can I do something that good one time? Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead, I'm sorry. All right. You text him Michelle Obama, too? You want to no. talk? Okay. Uh, Michael Bennett didn't get fined <laughs> for that. Can you believe that? Uh, I'm very surprised. Like, considering it was, it was a flag was thrown in the game, you know, a lot of people thought it was pretty purposeful. I thought the league, just in the interest of The second of players, part was purposeful the second for Michael part, Bennett. Yes, yes. It led to an ugly scene. Right. People did get fined. Coaches got fined, as a matter of fact. I think Pete Carroll got fined for coming onto the field the way he did and, and charging the officials when he's trying to talk to his team. But it seemed like a miss. Well, but he was swiping for the ball, but the thing he did secondarily was bad. Right. Price is right. Perfect time to give your fantasy team a shout-out. Here he goes. <laughs> Hello, ball. 
Want to get a shout out? All right, I want to say hi to Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Alshon Jeffrey, Terrell Pryor, Cam Newton, my fantasy team. Let's go! Yeah, Cam Newton on the fantasy team. Don't let us down, Cam. Well, hey, shout out to Philip Rivers, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Michael Crabtree, Josh Gordon. Give me that win in the semifinals. Tim Legler. So, we've been talking all year. Thunder just need time, need time, need time. Time is now, man. And what a week this is when you got the Paul George's homecoming, a game in the electric atmosphere at Philly, and then they go to New York tomorrow night for Carmelo's return to the Garden. So is this a type of stretch? It could be like a watershed moment for them, maybe get their season turned around with so much emotion. The bench picked them up the other night. Can this really get them going right now? I was just talking about this with somebody today. It's funny you talk about time. Was it Yogi Berra that said it gets late early out here? Mm -hmm. It's getting late early (laughs) for those guys because I look at it like over the next month, they need to run off like a 10-5, and an 11-4 and month because I think you're going to start to get the critical territory when it comes to Paul George. If this team is still floundering around 500, as you get closer to the end of January, you really have some difficult decisions to make if you're saying Preston. So they need to get rolling now. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean Paul George will stay there if they are able to do that. Right. But at least I think he will buy in more to right. this season and become more invested in this team and maybe make a serious run in the West. All right, the team already rolling. Uh, definitely the Rockets. They're on an 11-game win streak. Uh, you mentioned this yesterday when you were on the show. There's another game tonight on our air. Yeah, you mentioned this yesterday when, when you were on with us about how as, as impressive as the Rockets' streak has been, that they haven't really played anybody in this streak. And so we would start to find out exactly who this team is when they face competition like the Spurs, which they do tonight. Kawhi is back for the second straight game. So you feel like the Spurs, will they end it for the Rockets tonight? I don't know if they'll end it, but I do want to see somebody challenge this team. Like, you know, 97 points a game San Antonio's given up. That's what Houston is normally at by the end of the third quarter. So <laughs> let's see what San Antonio can do to slow down this machine. That, that's what I want to see because right now Houston is beating teams by 17 points a night for a month and a half. That just doesn't happen in the NBA. Uh, it speaks to their schedule, speaks to how great they're playing offensively. So I want to see what a difference Kawhi Leonard can make in guarding a guy like Harden and being able to slow down their offense a little bit because right now everything seems to be downhill for the Rockets and they're finally pay- playing one of the big boys on the block. So I'm as looking forward to this game as any in a really long time this season. Yep. Cannot wait to see what San Antonio can come up with defensively. We'll right. see if Kawhi can shake off that rust despite that minutes restriction that he's on. Tim Luckley, we appreciate the minutes out of you. Way to come off the bench firing. All right, let's go hard in the paint. Everybody's talking about this Hawks fan and his shooting style. Did he get $10,000 or not? Right. That's all that matters. I don't care if he has to punt it up there. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Everybody can't be Billy Hoyle throwing hook shots <laughs> at the sedan in order to get glory on a set of Jeopardy. That right. man got ten grand. Wait, look, I've seen a lot of people have a pretty shot so, and wait, get I, nothing but air. Wait, dog. Okay, oh, that I was when it actually hit the tie. rim. I got on a shirt That's and tie. when it actually hit the rim. I got a shirt and tie. <laughs> and I had Draymond heckling me. That was too much pressure. Oh, those were the days. See, like, your form looked great. Somebody told me KD said get the hell off this court. Uh, who had a good day I don't day think today? he used the word hell. Yeah. But anyway, uh, congratulations to Joseph Swaim and Jennifer Hardy, who got married at Lucas Oil Stadium before the Bronx, Broncos-Colts game last night. Probably the most entertaining thing that happened. Uh, they were married by the mascot and then presented with a great gift. They got tickets what? for this year's Super Bowl. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Last Thursday night game of the year, thank goodness. <laughs> Speaking of that game, though, shout out to hardcore Frank Gore. 
He joined Emmitt Smith as the only players in NFL history to record at least 1,000 scrimmage yards in 12 consecutive seasons. What a career. Guy towards ACLs in college was always the best guy coming out of the U. Shout out to him. That's it for the six. Thunder Six is next. Then it's Rockets going for 12 straight, 12 straight against the Spurs. I'll see you we'll guys see y'all Monday when she got more vacation. Next Come on. Year.